It's good to see you all here. Um, during Brother DeGarmo's TDY, TDY is plural, we've been going through the book of Haggai. Last week, we began chapter 2, and hopefully you found Haggai by now. And we'll begin by reading verses 1 through 9. In the seventh month, in the one and twentieth day of the month, came the word of the Lord by the prophet Haggai, saying, Speak now to Zerubbabel, the son of Shealtiel, governor of Judah, and to Joshua, the son of Josedek, the high priest, and to the residue of the people, saying, Who is left among you that saw this house in her first glory? How do you see it now? Is it not in your eyes in comparison of it as nothing? Yet now be strong, O Zerubbabel, saith the Lord, and be strong, O Joshua, son of Josedek, the high priest. And be strong, all ye people of the land, saith the Lord, and work, for I am with you, saith the Lord of hosts, according to the word that I covenanted, covenanted with you when ye came out of Egypt, so my spirit remaineth among you, fear ye not. For thus saith the Lord of hosts, yet, you know what, let's stop in verse 5, that's as far as we're going to get today, sorry about that. So as work resumed at rebuilding the house of God, Haggai asked in verse 3, Who is left among you who saw the first house in her former glory? Uh, How do you see it now? Is it not in your eyes uh, in comparison as nothing? We just kind of settled into that verse last week, and we talked about our need for senior saints. The need for senior saints. And ideally, I would like to think a church would like to be made up of Probably three to four generations, which we're blessed to have. Amen. Um, but the spiritual backbone of a church is our seniors, those who have walked with God for a lifetime. Amen. And um, those who have wisdom from experience, those who can offer wise counsel, those who know when we're beginning to veer slightly off course. Those who understand how to pray and get a hold of God. Those who can see past the trends and the fads. Those who have stayed the course. And I would tell you today, it's a shame that many churches have bought into this idea that you don't want seniors in your church. That somehow it's a bad thing to have a bunch of seniors. I don't know if our church realizes how much our seniors contribute around here. I wasn't sure how to define a senior. (laughs) I asked a guy one time, I said, what makes a senior? He said, when you start receiving AARP advertisements in the mail. So according to most of the things I looked at, once you hit 55, you might be considered a senior. That's when some of the restaurants start to give you a discount. Amen, brother. Others say it's 65. When you're now eligible for, is it Medicare? I'm so glad I don't know yet. Others who just want to keep denying that they're getting older will wait and say when they start drawing full social. Now I'm a senior. I don't know what defines a senior. My, my wife wants me to change the age on which we allow someone to be in the owls group. I'm told that the owls will receive anybody who is 55 and up. And my wife said, I'm only 11 years away from that, and I don't like that. So you got to change the age. I didn't have the heart to tell her she's really only 10 and a half years away. So I guess i got to change the age as, as we age. 
Well, let's suppose we went with 55 as the age. Consider where all of our senior saints currently serve at in this church. The choir, playing instruments, keeping the nursery, working at the press, serving as deacons, our academy principal, uh, I think one of our teachers, some ladies I'm just afraid to ask how old they are, our print press operator, preaching at the jail and nursing homes, teaching a Sunday school class, teaching the peewee club, maybe teaching the patch class. I didn't want to ask Lisa how old she was. (laughs) I saw your birthday on the screen, and I don't know, sister. Yeah. So not yet? Well, I don't don't know how old I am. I I just... um, I like what Brother, uh, Brother Lund said the other day. He was out there loading filing cabinets into the back of a truck. I said, Brother, anybody tell you you're 80 years old? He said, ah, age is just a number. I said, okay, I'm going to run with that. Amen. But I, I said all that, uh, n- not to mention those who work as ushers. There she is. She finally got here. She's running late from being so old. And um, amen, sister. We're glad you're here. Um, it's not good having the microphone sometimes. You just dig a deeper trench. But I mention all that because our church would look way different without our seniors. Our church would be much weaker without our seniors. And not to mention all that Brother Mac and Brother Lund do around here, behind the scenes, a lot of you don't see it. Um, I'm thankful to have some men who can be retired from a full-time job and devote their their life to the house of God, and um, they're always doing something here or out at the press property, doing something. And so I thank God for our seniors is all I'm saying. Um, I, I, can tell, I can tell Brother Mac what's on my mind, and it gets done. And uh, I like men like that, and so I like our seniors is what I'm saying. Um, and why wouldn't a church want a bunch of seniors? I just don't understand that, that mindset today. And I want to tell you that you're not cast off here, and better yet, you're wanted here. You have wisdom that the younger generations don't have and that we need, and so it's such a blessing to have seniors in our midst. And I can tell you as pastor, it's uh, very humbling to have seniors who would be willing to submit themselves under a younger man's leadership. I know that can be difficult at times, but I'm thankful for that. And I'm very thankful for our seniors. I get a lot of cards and letters from our seniors. Just encouraging. Just being an encouragement. And, and Lisa's not a senior yet, but uh, you almost qualify just off the cards and letters. And so, um, not to mention the monetary blessings. And so, I'll take a church full of rich seniors. Amen. They're just looking to give money away. And so, I'm just kidding about that. But I do thank you for being such a blessing to us and our family. And I, I, I really do thank God for those who are far wiser than me, far more mature than me, and yet here they are at our church, and they're doing a lot of work around here. And uh, we kind of concluded last week with this thought. And for those of us who are not seniors yet, we need a purpose that we're going to be the kind of senior that will one day be praised. Those who are still bearing fruit in old, old age, those who are still serving, those who uh, haven't grown bitter, there's nothing more nasty than a bitter old man. Amen. 
I mean, it's just horrible to be around because it's like, wow, your life has been a complete waste. Congratulations. So without preaching last week's message, let's start today by looking at verse 4. Yet now be strong, O Zerubbabel, saith the Lord, and be strong, O Joshua, son of Josedek, the high priest. And be strong, all ye people of the land, saith the Lord, and work. For I am with you, saith the Lord of hosts. And so the question was asked, hey, what do you all remember? How do you see this temple in comparison to the other temple? And, and, and so they're, they're considering this. How do they see what they're building now in comparison to what they had? And, and the answer is, it, it was as nothing. It was destroyed. The old, the old temple, the former temple, was destroyed by the Babylonians. And, and even though after they returned to the land, after Judea returned, the Jews, they started rebuilding. But remember, they stopped after political pressure came. And they supposed that, well, there's pressure. It must not be God's will. And so they stopped the building project. It was left unfinished. It was laying in ruins. And we read over in Ezra chapter 3 that um, they had laid the foundation, and that was really about as far as they got. Because as soon as they laid the foundation of the temple, uh, the enemies came, and they wrote letters back to Persia, got them to stop. And so um, there it is. You can just picture in your mind, uh, remember that uh, Judah's problem was they were building these real fancy houses while the temple was lying in ruins. And so here at the epicenter of this place is this temple that's just a foundation, which, by the way, is going to need more attention now because it's just been laying that way for a few years. And, and so we'll see that later on, I think, in verse 18. And so there's going to be, uh, they're going to have to redo kind of the, uh, the foundation, get that back up to where it needs to be. But all the while, surrounding that is all these fancy houses. And because the temple lay in ruins... And because they wouldn't have the resources to restore it to its former glory, when Solomon built it, Haggai encourages Zerubbabel, who was the governor over Judea, to be strong. And he tells Josedek, the high priest, be strong. And he tells all the people of the land, be strong. We know the people had become content in not rebuilding the temple, Haggai comes along and he stirs them out of that slumber. And now they're, they're, they're readying to, to rebuild. They're, they're ready to get back to work. And it may have seemed like an impossible task. They knew it would be a hard work. And some may even have become downhearted at just the thought of having to take on this project again. Knowing that it would never be what it used to be. And so the encouragement is given, be strong. This was the same charge that David gave to Solomon when it came time for Solomon to build the temple. In 1 Chronicles 28 and verse 10, it says, Take heed now, for the Lord hath chosen thee to build a house for the sanctuary. Be strong and do it. And then he said later on in that chapter in verse 20, And David said to Solomon his son, Be strong and of a good courage and do it. Fear not, nor be dismayed. For the Lord God, even my God, will be with thee. He will not fail thee nor forsake thee until thou hast finished all the work for the service of the house of the Lord. And so why the charge in both of those building projects to be strong? Because the work of the Lord is not always easy. Amen. 
It's not always easy uh, serving God, being in the ministry in some capacity. It can be very hard work. It can be very long work. And it can last for years on end just for one project. In fact, when we think about the work of God as a whole, it takes a whole lifetime. It's never done. Until God calls us home or, or until he, he comes in the air, listen, we're, we're working. It doesn't end. But building projects can especially be difficult. I don't know how many have ever been through a building project. Um, I've only been through a building modification project. And uh, that was interesting. But I can't wait to have a new facility one day, but I sure dread the process. I mean, unless somebody drops so much money that I can just contract everything. You know what I'm saying? Get that done. Get that done. There's always something that comes up. There's always some sort of government, bureaucratic, red tape nonsense, some sort of ordinance that comes up. Something always comes up when you try to do the work of God. And especially when you try to do a building project, something comes up. And, and frankly, I'd be happy just to take over a property that's already built. That'd be easy. This is another reason for our seniors because they can encourage us that while it's true that it'll be laborious at times, they can testify the results will come if we just stay with it. Just stay with it. I was um, pitching the idea of, of needing a new facility and two services and all that, and um, Jenny Byers came up to me and, and she said, well, uh, one of our senior saints, and, and she said, well, I've been through two already. I guess I'm ready for a third. And I thought, how encouraging is that? Somebody who's been through two of those things, which are very difficult on a church, come up and say, look, I'm ready to go again. I've seen it successful before. It can be successful again. Let's go forward. And so that's another good reason to have some seniors around. The ministry isn't always easy. It's always rewarding. But it's not being kicked back in the shade with a glass of lemonade swinging in a hammock. It's work. And it can be laborious work. It's not always easy shepherding a flock of people. I'm learning just how hard it is to keep those who were once faithful. People are always shifting. I want to reach new people, but I'll be honest with you, I'd be thrilled if we could just give back those who used to be faithful. Some get discouraged because the work is too hard and so they withdraw. Some get depressed because they don't see the results that they want to see right away and they don't stay with it. And I'm not just talking corporately as a church, but I'm learning that people will give up when they don't get victory within the time frame that they think God should give them victory or when they don't grow as fast as they thought they would. And what they're learning is this, the Christian life takes serious effort to live it right. And they're learning this, that my flesh doesn't die easy. And so they get discouraged on a personal level. And corporately, I'm witnessing as time goes by, those who grow tired of not seeing the results they want to see when they teach a class preach a sermon, 
work in any one of our ministries, and when they don't see the results that they wanted to see right away, they get discouraged, and sometimes people will just quit. But I can tell you in both scenarios, personally and corporately, just stay strong and have a good courage. Don't give up on God. Keep working. Keep serving. Trust that God's Word will not return void. God knows what He's doing. He has a purpose in it all. And that which you may not understand right now, God is trying to mature you and to grow you into His image. All for His glory. I can testify to almost being there myself as God was bringing me to this place. And many of you know my testimony already of how I thought for certain God was calling me to Liberty Baptist Tabernacle, but it just wasn't happening. And it started 13 years before it ever took place. And in that time, I started to lose hope. I almost gave up altogether. In fact, if I could have, I would have built a house in northeast Tennessee, and I'd be there right now. Because of just giving up on God. But what I've, what I've learned now is God all that time was working on me to conform, to chisel, to make ready, to burn out the dross. And it's only now that you can look back and realize, okay, now it all makes sense. But man, when you're going through that, it doesn't always make sense. And it's easy sometimes to find an excuse just to give up. But we need to just stay with it. Be strong. Get to work. Stay at it. Proverbs 13, 12 says, Hope deferred maketh the heart sick. But when the desire cometh, it is a tree of life. And I can remember just hoping that God would use my life. And when that's deferred, it makes you sick. But verse 19 of Proverbs 13 says, The desire accomplished is sweet to the soul. When that desire does come, it's sweet to the soul. Now, I'm not trying to paint a picture that it's all been unicorns and rainbows. It's hard work. Just keep serving. Be strong and of a good courage. Don't give up on God. Now, I want you to understand why we keep pressing on for God. Why do we keep going? What, what makes that possible? Notice the end of verse 4 says, For I am with you, saith the Lord of hosts. Now look at verse 5, which kind of continues that thought. According to the word that I covenanted with you when you came out of Egypt, so my spirit remaineth among you, fear ye not. Now, we can stay with it when we know that God is with us. Amen. When we know that God is working in our midst, when we know that we're trying to honor the Lord and we're trying to do the right thing, and when we know that God is with us, that's what keeps, going, uh, keeps us going personally and corporately. I was recently talking with somebody and doing the best I know how to do to try to encourage them and keep them here. 
And they said, well, I'm just struggling with whether or not God's real. I said, I just want to help you. But you see, people get so depressed, they get so disheartened that when they start to withdraw, when they start to give up on God, thoughts start to enter their minds that for the, for the past 10 years was never a question. But now because they didn't stay strong, they didn't stay in the fight, all of a sudden Satan starts to put in their mind, is God even real? Let me prove that to you. John the Baptist baptized our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ in the Jordan River. And then when he got locked up in prison, he sent two of his disciples to ask, are you the one or do we look for another? You see, it happens. I'm not one of these that's going to get up here and try to tell you if you've ever doubted you're not saved. But man, that shouldn't be your life. And so we get discouraged. But when we know God is with us, we can keep going. We can stay with it. We can stay at it. He's not going to fail us. He's not going to forsake us until our work is done. If there are times we begin to doubt this, then we need to search our hearts. And we need to see if maybe we're not doing things the way God told us to do them. Maybe we've gone astray in how we're supposed to accomplish the work of God. For those who are struggling personally this morning, I would ask you, are you still being strong? When when I talk with folks and and, and they they come for help in this particular area of growth, um, and and it's like you begin to ask them, are you still reading your Bible every day? No. How's your prayer life? Well, I just don't really have time. And what you begin to discover is they started to let all those things slip away that they know they should be doing all along. And and you see, let me me put it this way. They stopped being strong. They stopped being strong. They stopped doing those things that gives them strength, which is communing with the Father and staying in the Word of God and being faithful to church. And all of a sudden, all those things start to slip. And, And my personal opinion is I can't really judge prayer But as soon as the Bible reading starts to slip, church is going to follow. And so no wonder people aren't seeing victory. They've stopped being strong. They've stopped doing the simple things that God wants every Christian to do and that we ought to do daily. They've stopped having the Lord with them because they turned away. It wasn't God who left them. It was them who left God. They who left God. But also notice that it isn't enough to be strong. The Bible says you have to work. Isn't that what it says? And work. (laughs) Be strong and work. You know, you have to work at the Christian life. You aren't just magically going to wake up one day and be this uh, mature Christian. It takes work. It takes work to discipline yourself enough to get up and spend quality time with God. And and, and let me go ahead and say this. Don't use this excuse because here's what people like to say. Well, I'm just not a disciplined person. Oh, yes, you are. Yes, you are. You're disciplined in the things that are important to you. It's just that you're not disciplined in the right priorities. Amen, preacher. Those who say they can't get Discipline will be to work on time. 
It's amazing what a paycheck will do for you. That'll motivate you. They make time to watch their favorite TV show. They make time to read a book. Those who say they aren't disciplined are the same ones who will get up at oh dark 30 to go sit in a duck blind in the freezing cold. To go get a trophy buck. To go catch a fish. It's not a matter of discipline. It's a matter of being disciplined in the right ways. Those who say they aren't disciplined are the same ones who have time for their hobbies. And they'll work very hard at becoming a better athlete. Or maybe somebody who studies hard to get into that college. There's discipline, just not in the things of God. And so for those who may be struggling, struggling personally, like I just said, it's going to take work. It's going to take work. God's not your Santa Claus up in the sky. For those who are struggling while serving God on a more corporate level, it's likely you've lost sight that this is God's work. This isn't my church. These aren't my people. This is God's church. It's God's people. And wherever you're serving, you've got to remember that it's, it all belongs to God. And when we start to get discouraged on a, on a corporate level while serving God within the church, perhaps, it's because I believe we started to look to ourselves too much. We, we look to us for the results. And I want to tell you, I'm not responsible after I preach the Word of God for how you respond. I can tell you that early on back there 20 years ago, it used to bother me. Certain preachers I really liked, and man, they would preach, and it was like God would move. But you know what God had to tell me? Listen, I didn't call you to be that guy. And so when I give the Word of God and I preach, and listen, I give it to you straight, and if nobody responds, that's not a problem with me. That's a problem with you. And, and we've got to learn that this thing isn't because it's dependent upon us. It's dependent upon God. Thank God for that. And so I'm just simply saying we've got to learn that it's all about Him. It's all His work. We're just tools in the Master's hands. We're just vessels that need to be used. And, and, and I would caveat that with this and say, look, even though it's not necessarily up to me, I'm not going to sit here and I'm not going to sit there and fool myself to believe that at some point I don't need to check my heart and see if there's something wrong. I, I, but I but I've learned this and I know this: God blesses truth. And that's why you got to be careful who you look at up in the pulpit. It may be God is just blessing the truth of His Word and not necessarily the man. But I do believe there's an aspect where. We have to have our own hearts right. And so I would ask you this. If you're discouraged serving our church, are you begging God to do a work in hearts? Because only He can do that work. We cannot change anybody. It's the Holy Spirit that has to work. So are you asking God to work in hearts? Are you studying as you should? Are you doing what you know you ought to be doing? And I'm just saying that there are times that we need to do personal inventory. 
But if you are prepared for that class, if you're serving faithfully, if you're praying, if you're crying out for God to move, if you're in His Word daily, then don't let a lack of response deter you. I don't know what Noah was up to all those years, but for 120 years, preacher of righteousness, only his family got on the ark. And I'm not about to point a finger at Noah and say, well, you just wasn't doing it right. So be strong and work. And there's nothing better than knowing that God is with you while you're serving Him. It'll help you teach that class. It'll help you stay with it. Be strong because God is with you. Keep working because God is with you. How do we know whether or not He's with us? Well, verse 5 says, according to the Word. They were to be assured that as God covenanted with Israel when they came out of Egypt, so His Spirit remained the same for them. He wanted them to succeed. But I want you to understand, He wasn't going to bless laziness or disobedience. His Spirit remained the same. Jesus put it this way, look, the flesh is weak, but the Spirit is willing. We know God is with us when we serve Him how He instructed us to. Because He's covenanted with us according to His Word. You're holding it today. We have a whole section of this book called the New Testament or the New Covenant that Jesus shed His blood to establish. We have a new covenant. And His Spirit towards that covenant has not changed. When His Spirit is with us, we can maintain our fervency, we can maintain our zeal, and we can remain in the work that God has called us to do. Because how many of you have learned that we're not often going to have those Philip and the eunuch experiences? I don't know if anybody in here has ever come up alongside a chariot, looked at a man reading the Word of God and said, Understand is what thou readest. Well, how can I except some man should guide me? And so you take time with the man, come to find out he's reading from Isaiah 53, and you lead him to Christ on the spot. They stop the chariot, you go down in the water, baptize him. I don't think many of us have ever experienced that. It takes work. It takes work. It takes being strong in the service of God. We're not likely going to be like Paul and Silas, locked up in prison and start singing hymns one night and God send a great earthquake and the doors just kind of fall off and everybody's bands fall off and the jailer who's really just about to lose it and kill himself. Anyway, Paul calms him down and the guy says, Sirs, what must I do to be saved? I don't know if that's ever happened to you, but probably rare. It's going to take being strong in God's service. It's going to take work in God's service. It's going to take God's Spirit being with us. And verse 5 ends with, fear ye not. It's going to take not being afraid. And really, we have nothing to fear when Jesus is near. Amen.
Don't be afraid to proclaim the message of the gospel. Don't fear what man can do to you. Don't fear when you're serving God. Don't be afraid to start serving God. Don't be afraid to immerse yourself in the work of God. Don't fear. Jesus said in Matthew 10.31, Fear ye not, therefore ye are more valuable than many sparrows. If he knows when a sparrow hits the ground, listen, he cares an awful lot about us because he didn't send anybody to die for the sparrows. We're valuable to God and to His service. And when we serve God rightly and according to His Word, His Spirit will remain upon us. And We need the Spirit of God today. We need God's Spirit. Without God's Spirit, all is vain. We sing that in the song, Brethren, we've met to worship. All is vain unless the Spirit of the Holy One come down. This is why in about four months from where we're at in Haggai, Zechariah is going to rise on the scene, and he's going to tell Zerubbabel, not by might, not by power, but by my Spirit, saith the Lord. We must know and trust that this work that we do, that it's God's work. Therefore, we cannot accomplish it in our own strength, but it must be by God's Spirit. And we need some Spirit-filled Christians today. Man, I think the charismatics have scared us to death on this idea of the Holy Ghost. But last I checked, the Bible said He's living inside of every born-again believer. And we need some Christians that will get Spirit-filled to do the work of God because it's got to be by His Spirit. If we have that, then we'll be successful and prosperous as we obey the Word of God. Second Chronicles 14.11, it says, and, and Asa cried unto the Lord his God and said, Lord, it is nothing with thee to help, whether with many or with them that have no power. Help us, O Lord our God, for we rest on thee. And in thy name we go against this multitude. O Lord, thou art our God. Let not man prevail against thee. And so we just cannot operate in our own power. Our flesh is only going to get us so far. Now, some people, I'll just be frank with you, I'm surprised how much they've been able to subdue their flesh for as long as they have, but eventually that's going to fail. And so we can only do so much in the power of our flesh. Sometimes I think that's where the burnout comes from. But I'm real quick to not be too critical. And so all I'm saying is we just can't operate in our power, but we have to rest on Him. Throw ourselves on the Lord's mercy, on His grace and on His strength. We've got to cry out to Him to be our help. We have to work in the power of His great name for His great namesake. Let us therefore come boldly unto the throne of grace that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in time of need. And we need God's help today. The work is bigger than we are. The work is more than we can handle. The journey is too great for thee. And Mike, you need the Spirit out there on the road. You need the Spirit for churches to have their hearts turned towards the printed Word and to support what we're doing. It's too great, it's too great for one man. The journey is too great. And for those of you who work in a class or teach a class or have ever preached or pastored or whatever you know it's, it's just too much. You can't do it on your own. 
It takes the power of God. Because unfortunately, in a lot of cases, man will forsake you. Will the work of God be hard? Yes. It'll take labor. But let us labor in His Spirit and strength. Then we can see God operate who said, I'm the God of all flesh. Is there anything too hard for me? The truth is we don't see great things from God because we aren't doing the work God's way. And then when we are trying to do the work the right way, we often don't ask big. It's like we really don't believe God still can. There's a little bit of doubt there. We have not because we ask not. Matthew 7, verses 7 through 11 say, Ask, and it shall be given you. Seek, and ye shall find. Knock, and it shall be opened unto you. For everyone that asketh receiveth, and he that seeketh findeth. And to him that knocketh, it shall be opened. Or what man is there of you whom, if his son ask bread, will he give him a stone? Or if he ask a fish, will he give him a serpent? If ye then, being evil, know how to give good gifts unto your children, how much more shall your Father, which is in heaven, give good things to them that ask him? But we have to ask. We have to seek. We have to knock. It takes work. And call upon the God of limitless ability. Call on God. Man, that verse that I just read means so much to me. And I just had a flashback to back in those times that I was telling you during that 13-year period. And that's what I would just keep quoting. I just keep quoting it. And Lord, you said in your word that if we being evil know how to give good gifts unto our children, how much more will our heavenly Father be a blessing to us? We have to get to work. We have to be strong. We have to trust God's covenanted word. And we can't fear in the process. Well, we're going to stop there because I don't want to get into the next set of verses. So you get an early break today. Amen. So everybody, fellowship, make, make sure you look like you like each other. Let's hang around a little bit. And uh, we'll get back together for the morning service. Let's pray. Father, we love you. Thank you so much for your word. God, help us just to be strong. Help us to work. Help us not to fear. Just do what it is you've called us to do, knowing that it's your work and that it's not really dependent upon us for the results as long as we're doing what we need to do. And so, God, I pray for that one that's struggling. Maybe somebody here is struggling personally and they've kind of given up on you. I pray they'd be strong and get back to work. And maybe there's one serving and, and they're just really wondering if it's worth it all and maybe just disheartened by the lack of response and all the rest. I pray you just help them to be strong and to work, just to keep at it. Lord, just help us to stay faithful till the end. We love you. We ask you to move in our morning service. Lord, bless as you see fit. We ask it for Christ's sake. Amen.